0: Hey, welcome back to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. This is the show where I talk to developers who are also into business of one form or another, and I try to get a sense of how they got to where they are and how they do the things they do. So, if you're a developer and you want to get into business yourself, or if you're already into business and you just want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode 27 with Dan Wallin. Quick announcement, I have just launched my latest teaching focus, which is going to be on security for React applications. You can find it at reactsecurity.io. So if you're a React developer and you wanna find out how to do things like add authentication and authorization to your app, if you want to find out how to harden your front end React code, then I've got some courses that will show you how to do just that. There are some free course offerings. There are some pro courses. Hopefully you can find something that is useful for you. Head over to reactsecurity.io to check it out. My guest today is Dan Wallin. Dan founded Wallin Consulting, which provides training and architecture services on front-end and back-end web technologies, Docker and Kubernetes, and cloud technologies. He's published multiple courses on Plural Site and is a Docker Captain, Microsoft MVP slash Regional Director, and Google GDE. Dan speaks at multiple conferences and runs the Code With Dan development newsletter. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, great to be here. Very excited to have you here and uh, chat about some of your experiences in the industry. You're uh, you're a veteran in the industry. Um, I, I've uh, come across a lot of your training, a lot of your material uh, as I've been on the journey myself to becoming a developer. I mean, even at the early stages, and and even now as I'm doing more and more business stuff. And uh, I guess right out of the gate, I'd like to say say a big thank you to you because you have uh, provided some great course material over. Uh, over time, which has has led me to become a better developer in many ways. So thank you for the stuff that you've put out into the world.
1: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's always it's always good. To, uh, you know, it's it's a little better than here. And Dan, your your stuff was really not that good. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Thanks.
0: No, it's it's awesome. I especially remember uh, one course in particular, which was Angular JS directives. I believe. I think I took that course on Udemy years back, and I, I remember yeah I remembered picking up um, you know a few kind of key things, not technical material wise but teaching wise from you, which I think I've in some ways put into my own courses so uh, you you've done a great job not only on the technical side but also maybe the meta side as well of uh, teaching how to to teach so once well, again, you. big thank you. Yeah, I I'd love to chat about your experience in the industry. You've you've got uh, plenty of experience in the industry doing consulting. Uh, I guess I'm curious how how have things changed over the last uh, however many years? I mean, I guess maybe give us your backstory to start with. Like when did you get when did you get into to this? Yeah, Ryan, are you and trying
1: to say I'm old? Come on, well, man. You're I'm, a I'm veteran. Definitely not, <laughs> <you've been. laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a little not Definitely not trying
0: old. to insinuate anything, but uh, but you're well experienced. You're well experienced and and i Yeah,
1: uh, been in the industry a while. Um, yeah I'd, I'd say the one of the biggest things is when I first got started um, in fact this came up on on Twitter last week um, it was it was pretty hard to to get your name out there uh, <laughs> and really the the main mechanism back then was books in fact, that's how I got started i um I was on a my father-in-law took me over to Germany for a business trip actually, but I got to come for free. And on the way over, I decided to borrow a laptop from work. And when I say laptop, man, this thing, this was probably, gosh, I'm trying to think, maybe 99 or 2000, something like that. Okay. And anyway, I, I brought this laptop and man, it was thick because, you know, laptops aren't quite, uh, they're not what they used to be. Let's put it that way. They're right. a lot thinner these days. And anyway, I decided to write an article because I had this, it was a, a VB, it was like, I don't know, probably VB6 or whatever was out in the late 90s and uh i don't even remember what it did to be honest i think it scheduled video on like windows media or something like that and it actually scheduled videos to play so long story short i wrote this article and uh back then articles it turned out i was pretty shocked i think i got like two thousand dollars for this article which you know nowadays you just you don't find no that's true so anyway that led into a publisher contacted me and i thought at the time being new back then to this that wow you know this this must be really something to get contacted by a book publisher and you know you kind of feel a little bit special and it's not as special as it seems it turns (laughs) out Um, but back then it it was it was definitely a little bit harder uh to get into Mm -hmm. that and so I, i ended up doing it and i think i probably made five cents an hour (laughs) <laughs> something like that <laughs> something like that um the book was not worth it at all from the financial standpoint but from the career standpoint it actually uh it was a it was called XML for asp.net development. and yeah. so it was uh all about XML cuz that was the hotness back then mm-hmm. with uh and .net was just about to come out so long story short that kind of kicked things off and then I'm like, well, cool. Kind of, what's, the, what's some more things I can do? Because you know, there was no Twitter back then. There was no mm-hmm. Facebook. There was no social media. Um, we had like Windows Messenger, maybe, and you know, that's about it. So from there, I said, you know, it'd be kind of cool to maybe speak at conferences or something like that. And back then, there weren't that many conferences compared to like now. It's like every week, you know, there's mm. a conference. Right. I, and I mention this mainly because it's a failure story that ultimately became success. Okay. But for the first few years, literally, all I heard was no. Um, hmm. I'd apply to, uh, and, and these were all really big conferences. They weren't, again, they didn't really have any small ones back then. Yeah. It was these, you know, big ones that anywhere from uh, two thousand to twenty thousand, you know, people. Right. So long story short, I uh, I applied heard, it'd be like you say, no, no, Dan, sorry, I don't know who the heck you are. All right. I apply again, no, 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 and, and literally for, I think it was about two years, all I heard wow. was no, and, you know, at that point, you're just like, am I that bad, or, you know what I mean? You, you kind of right. just want to give up. So, finally, um, in fact, I'll mention his name, because he's really the guy that gave me my first shot, his name is Paul Litwin, and he used to run a conference long time ago um, called Dev Connections and I got a shot and uh, you know that kind of took off from there and that's how I got into that aspect so my moral of the story here first off for the folks that maybe you're thinking about going independent or even just doing some stuff on the side I think the best thing you can do with yourself for yourself right off the bat is uh, is build up some some brand um, yeah. for yourself. And and by that, I don't mean, it, it's not a popularity contest.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a
1: get content out there that is value-add content, you know, for yeah. people. Right, right. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how I got started off. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, okay. And I'm curious, like, so two years is a long time to go hearing no over and over and over again. Was there anything in particular that had you press on through those, through all those no's until you got a yes. Um, I'm just like, I'm thinking about, you know, for someone who's getting into the whole game of applying to speak at conferences and stuff, that's a long time to go hearing rejection for uh, you know everything they submit. Yeah, it it was, Um, it
1: was. And um, so first off, nowadays what I would do is, I don't think you have to go through that process. Back then, uh, user groups were just starting to become a thing. Uh, they, they weren't nearly as much as what we have with meetups and all that. Nowadays, I would start by, you know, first speak local, prove yourself out, and record it. That's a big thing hmm. because okay. a lot of conferences these days, I, I co-chair one with uh, my buddy John Papa, and we if we don't know you, we can't really take a risk on you Unless mm-hmm. we can see what you can do, you know I mean right. some people are great at speaking, some people aren't maybe they just need more practice so anytime uh, you know you fill out one of these conference submission things, a lot of times there'll be a field for show us a video or talk you've done right so if you can either record something just in your own house or apartment or go to a meetup even better yet, mm-hmm. I think that'll go a long way towards just Getting yourself out there a little bit. It's a little scary at first, but I'm here to tell you I wasn't any person who, I, I didn't have a lot of speaking experience per se. Right. It was just, it's just practice, you know, and, yeah. and really I think anybody can do it with proper practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. I mean, I, you know, I, I make no claims that my conference speaking ability is, is at any you know point along a spectrum where it's good or, or whatnot, but it's, I've certainly become more comfortable over, over the years in speaking at conferences. And, uh, I remember when I first started and it was a, like you suggested, it was actually a local meetup that I started at, uh, you know, was able to get some experience from that to go into do other meetups and, and eventually conferences. And uh, yeah, it, like when you first start out, it is not something usually for most people, I would say, it's not something where you're gonna be shining right away. It takes practice. It takes years of, of you know honing it in to, to get to a spot where I guess, A, you become, you, you're at the point where you've got some content recorded and, and some notoriety where you can then be selected more easily perhaps by other conferences, but just also that you feel a certain amount of comfort on stage where you're you know, you're, yeah. you're giving it you're giving it a, a, a decent performance, as it were. Um, so I think that's that's spot on. Uh, so talk a bit about conferences. I'm curious about maybe the industry as it pertains to doing client work. Um, so while in consulting, you're doing training, you're doing um, application builds. I'm assuming. Uh, n- not sure how much of that uh, mixes together. But um, what have you seen change? I guess in terms of maybe the the landscape for client work out there. So like if, if you've got, you know, a, a client that needs a, a web application built, um, has, has much changed in that arena over the course of time for you? Um, or does it look differently these days? I am mean, curious too about maybe if you want to break into that sort of, uh, that, yeah. that area of work, what, what are some suggestions that you've got given the experience that, that you've had?
1: Yeah. So, well, the client work itself, I mean, obviously the technology's changed a lot. Over the yep. years um and you know honestly, I think that's one of the keys to success is you have to be willing to just constantly be learning mm. because if I would have stayed on the you know technologies I started with back in you know like late nineties for example, my first language was Perl, not exactly mm. the best way to learn a language by the way but <laughs> um but I did, and you know then I moved into like v b and then little c plus plus and then Java and then c sharp and stuff like that. And, you know, especially when I was back in my, we'll say, 20 days, I really had kind of a passion for learning. I still do these days, but I'll have to admit, it's not quite as burning as it used to be back in, you know, maybe my 20s. Now I'm kind of like that, get off my lawn. I like what I'm doing, (laughs) man. Stop introducing new technologies. No. But anyway, that would be one of the keys to that, is yeah the client work itself I'd say has stayed very very similar as far as you know if somebody needs an app yeah. um, now maybe the way you build it's changed a little maybe they're agile versus you know back in the day it was all waterfall pretty much mm, right. but I don't think that part's changed that much uh, what's better obviously is the ability to work remote is just super awesome these days yeah and there's not that need to, uh, back then I was just constantly on airplanes because back then yeah. you flew more.
0: That's interesting. And, and I was wondering about that is like there's probably, that's probably one distinct thing that, that is different for a lot of folks these days is like the need to actually go to a client office in various locations is probably diminished quite a bit, right? Because I'm sure clients are happier to not have to pay for you to fly you out in the first place. and And consultants are happier that they don't have to leave home so often. Um, so so I can imagine that like, have you noticed that to be um, something that I guess ultimately beneficial uh, for you, your personal life, your business is that Is that something that's better these days?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely i I used to travel and, and this was kind of a bummer because i I regret this part of that of the career, I guess is because I had hmm. you know two little boys, and there were some times where I was gone three out of four weeks I'd be home for the wow. weekend and I fly back out Sunday morning, and I get back Friday night, and usually it was East Coast for some reason. I live on the West Coast, Arizona. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that part's a lot better. You know, Just as an example, I have a, a kind of a consulting architecture thing coming up. It's just three days with a company out in uh, North Carolina, and we're gonna just do a, a Zoom call here in the next couple weeks just for them to fill me in on the actual software they're building. Right. Now, I am going to fly out because they want me on site to actually sit down with the whole team, and you know we're, we're going to be there three days, so it's yeah. a little bit long to do on a Zoom call. But um, I think when it comes to the pure development side, yeah, it's just so much better these days. Oh, with yeah. I can demo, you know, say, hey, Ryan, hop on, I'll show you the new feature we just added. You know, we, yeah. we just got this done, what do you think? And I don't have to fly out to show you, I don't even have to have you run the app, um, yourself because no. you might be the stakeholder who is not, you know, technical
0: per se. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge boon, I think, for everyone. Uh, yeah. It's something I've been thinking about recently where I'm like thankful that th- this time at which I'm getting more and more into consulting, into Web development into business is a time at which I can be at home uh, without having to get up and leave all the time, which is I'm very very um, glad about. At the same time, I do enjoy travel. Like that is something that that's enjoyable yeah. about going to conferences. But you know, it's, at a certain point, there's it's, it's perhaps a little bit too much. Um, so. Uh, I'd love to chat too about your approach to doing courses because you're you're well known in the industry for doing lots of courses. You've got lots of stuff on Pluralsight, on Udemy. Um, you've you've been at that for quite some time. Like when when would that have started for you? Was that kind of like have you been doing that back in the VB days, or is that a newer thing? How long have you been doing courses for?
1: Uh you know that's a good question. It was definitely before Pluralsight um there was a company in minnesota i'm trying to remember their name who used to send out dvds for training Oh wow, okay. i did some stuff with them um even some of the publishers back in the day uh, got in early to video training um like um i'm trying to remember the name not o'reilly but who's uh, another big one pearson pearson education okay. uh, they were doing some stuff that was actually who my first book was through and so we even did some stuff way back in the day I don't think I got started. Uh, I'm guessing maybe ten to twelve years ago, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't like it is today, where it was—you know—you can go to YouTube and learn yeah. about just about anything. It was more yeah. DVDs. <laughs>
0: gotcha. So yeah, I, and something I'm curious about is whether you you find that like is it is it tougher to be a content creator these days than it, than it used to be? Um, like, is it is there is there a certain amount of saturation that we have in what's available content wise that makes it a bit more difficult to break through or is it maybe, is it a better time ultimately to be like a course creator because there's perhaps, perhaps there's a wider audience. Now there are more people out there that are wanting to learn this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, saturation. Yeah. I would say whether it's books, videos, it's like, everybody and their dog, it seems like, is coming out with a <laughs> right. new, you know, whatever, video course or whatever it may be. But my kind of caveat to that is that's okay because the saturation typically is with, you know, you'll have your very small percentage of people who really, truly can explain a concept. Now, I like to think I'm one of those, but, you know, maybe that's not a, maybe that's just I can, ad- little... I can
0: attest that you are. You definitely-
1: Well, are. thank you. But, you know, that's, and a lot of that's practice again over the years, because I also do a lot of uh, instructor-led training in person with, uh, we do a lot of on-site training for teams for development topics. And so I I think the opportunity is, yeah, there's a lot of people doing it. But that shouldn't stop you, because if you truly can explain something in a way that is very digestible, very relatable, very visual especially i think i try mm-hmm. to be very visual on my stuff then you're going to stand above you know the rest of the saturated crowd and yeah. you could actually do really well now going out and let's say you know ryan says he wants to go out and do a course on technology x whatever that is uh i'd say doing that on your own initially without building a following uh having proper marketing in place yeah that's pretty challenging i'd say these mm-hmm. days It can absolutely be done, though, as I I can name I can name two guys I know right now who are doing super, super well. One's in Canada, actually. So, but, uh, you know, they literally stay at home. Well, three guys now I can think of that have their own kind of video training companies, if you will. Hmm. It's mainly them. Um, Hmm. They have some other people now as well, but they're doing really well. Having said that, I can also tell you many people I know who have tried some of these big video companies and, you know, not done that well.
0: Gotcha. So something I'm curious about, curious about too is you do, because you do a lot of training uh, in person that I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it a lot of like, is it a case where like an enterprise company will have you come in and offer like a workshop for that company? Is that the model? Yeah. Yeah. And so is it, like if someone is thinking about getting into doing training, whether it's in person or whether it's video courses, is it better to try to position yourself to offer it to like uh, corporations for example rather than maybe like the public. the crowd on Twitter and, and just like yeah. you know in a public fashion like that
1: well uh, I'll just say that I also work with some companies we do contracting of course and they mainly do public trading. Public okay. trading is tough um, it's not you could do really really well in it and I could name several other companies I know of that are doing very very well with that but it's tough because if you don't have that marketing in place or the brand recognition, it's just really hard to get in front of the people that actually pull the strings to, you know, pay down the, the dollars or mm. money. Right. Um because, you know, I can market all I want to people on Twitter. The problem is a lot of those folks, um, many of who I'm friends with, are they're like you and I and mm. they're not necessarily the director or maybe manager at that company yeah. that's willing to spend the money. The nice thing with corporate training, um, first off, I would say that the hard part with corporate training is you better know what you're talking about because you get some really sharp people typically because keep in mind, it'd be like, hey, Ryan, I'm going to come to your company and with all your team and train you. Well, a lot of times, you know, the team has been together for quite a while. Yeah, they know their technology really, really well. And there's almost always um, a person. Who is just a hot shot in even the technology you're training on? Yeah, that's yeah. probably why they're trying to learn it. So I, the challenge there is you definitely need to know your technology inside and out. Now, again, there's plenty of slide readers out there, <laughs> <laughs> right? Who, you know, they get content, they license it, and then they go in and just slide read pretty much. And yeah. I think everybody's been to a class like that. Yeah. yeah. Um So. I would say that I like doing the corporate even more because first off, you get to know the whole uh, team. Everybody's much more friendly. And what I mean by that is, you already know the team, so of course mm-hmm. you're friendly with your team. So it's just a little more more fun, I think. Whereas public, everybody's a little more standoffish. You know, it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know this person over here. Ryan, he he might not be nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um it's interesting because like with especially so that's you know, like touching a lot on on in person training and, and I I've chatted with some folks that say that's where like the value's at for a trainer is like try to get try to get some enterprise deals. That's where you're really going to be able to, to make some good money. Um, and then like with content, I mean the like online content, probably like the easiest way to get going without so much friction is to just like put stuff out there and try to like, you know, get it get it uh, shared around and social media and stuff like that um, but you know that's that's gonna reach an audience I think that ultimately unless you you take a long time and, and ramp up and build an audience and gain trust and recognition over a long period of time that's gonna be a little bit it's gonna be a bit challenging to get it in front of enough people where you can make uh, at least if you're starting out make it make a significant amount off of it so I think the the long game is what needs to be played in that regard Um, now in terms of like publishing because you you're in a couple different spots like you're you're doing stuff on udemy uh you're doing stuff on plural Side. do you have any self-published stuff too like have you got any courses that are totally self <sighs> self-published
1: funny you should ask and and actually i promise anyone listening we we didn't plan this yeah we <laughs> we actually have uh, a learning product that um well it's going on about two years now we've been building out okay and uh it's it's not a revolutionary concept at all it's it's going to be video training but very, very hands-on video mm. training. Cool. Uh, so, kind of more of a mix. the The big thing I get a lot of questions on is, "Hey, how do I go practice now?" You know, right. even even when we've done like five days of a hands-on class, people oftentimes want to practice because you know it's the only way to get good at this stuff. True. And uh, so, yeah, we have a, a new thing coming out. We've been using it for classes and workshops for quite a while now, but we sure. haven't released it to the public yet. Uh, but like when John John and I do a lot of workshops together like at NGCoff, We have a three yeah. days of workshops, and we'll be using this tool uh, Just not for the videos, but for labs mm, cool. and uh, So yeah uh, stuff there and and to not hijack the conversation here But you mentioned we've touched on a few things and for those looking to go independent I've had multiple friends try and then have to go back to their corporate job, right? So just real quick, a couple of things to think about there yeah, because please. I highly encourage it. Um, it. At a minimum, even if you just do it on the side, you can significantly you know, increase your revenue, your reach, the number of people you help, and to be honest, over the years, that's the most fun part is when you know I had somebody uh, at a conference uh, a couple years ago now walk up and literally say, you're the whole reason I'm in software. Hmm. Um, and have a good living now And I'm like, wow, thank you, that's that's awesome And they had uh, watched something I did online And and then, you know, as all the credit to them They went with it and ran with it But anyway, my point is If you're going to do it and you already have a good job First off, don't leave your job and assume That, oh, I'm just going to get a bunch of contracts And I can just work at home in my pajamas And, you know, everything's <laughs> good Right. Um, I treat this type of business as a mutual fund and if you're not familiar with mutual funds out there, um basically diversify. So, you know, I mentioned we have an engagement coming up that's gonna be architecture. Uh we will also do uh actual the you know hands-on uh coding. Um we don't do as much of that these days, mainly because mm-hmm. I don't want to manage all the people, but we used to do a ton of that. Uh we do on-site training, we do video training, we have our own training product coming out. Um you know, and then there's just the normal stuff. Stay involved with social media, stay involved with uh, YouTube and stuff like that. Right. And I guess my point of all this is that you absolutely can do this, and if you keep your day job, prove out the concept, and then you get to the point where you're like, yeah, I have enough business, I could just stop my day, day job anytime I want. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much that kind of frees you up and gives you mm-hmm. that, um, I don't know, confidence, or just thrill, I guess you could say. Of hey, I, I could stop this job anytime I want. Yeah, I could just do yeah. this now, and that's a cool feeling. Definitely. you know.
0: Yeah, it's freeing for sure. I um, I, I've been seeing th- this sentiment play out in in a lot of people's Twitter feeds lately, where they talk about like stuff gets good when you when you have margin, and margin can be be a lot of different things, right? Like in a business, margin can be just you know, how, how much cash you are bringing in versus how much you're spending. And hopefully the amount you bring in, uh, the amount that you're <laughs> able hope. to profit with is, 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 is decent. And, and therefore you have a good margin there, but it's also things like margin to, you know, have space and time in your personal life. It's margin to, um, have the freedom to go where you want to go and all this stuff. So, I think you know one of the things you're touching on there is like once you once you're able to get some margin, as it were, by having a job if you do and and being and, and being in a position where you've got other various things going on around you, like you're selling courses, you're serving clients, and you you're you're building up a, a network that way. Um, that's where you've got some space to to move around in, right? And where you're not yeah. kind of operating on emergency mode in a lot of ways. So I think that is wise, absolutely. Um, so circling back then uh, to because we're talking about stuff like uh, Udemy, Plural Site, various places that you um, that you have courses. One thing I'm curious about is. And maybe I'd love to hear your opinion on this because this is a debate that I've had with with various folks. Um, it's a it's a question that comes up a lot for me. Is should I get started on Udemy? Is it a good spot to to sell my content? Or because Udemy has you know super low prices, they're always putting stuff on sale. They take fifty percent of the <laughs> Every cut. Every day, right? Right. Is, is it worth it to, to look at udemy as a place to sell your courses or is it a waste of time there there are some trade-offs that i found there but i'm curious about your uh, your opinion on that
1: well my opinion on that is first off um it i don't think it's a waste of time to put a course out there and test the water um hmm. now I, I would recommend i'm i'm really really sensitive on so for anyone that follows me on twitter you'll see that you know, high 90% of my tweets are what I'll call value add where, hey, if I'm Ryan, do I, would I want to learn about this? You know, potentially, right. or hear about this, or whatever. No, I'm not gonna say everything, cause you know, I, I just tweeted out one about a really cool, uh, the new set, and how they filmed the Mandalorian, for example, which has no tech <laughs> value per se, but it was just cool, you know? Right, right. But, I, I think, here, here'd here be my thing there is don't jump into doing something like that unless you truly feel you have some value you can add hmm. if you're if you're just doing stuff just to make money uh i just never found that really works um if you're doing stuff with the attitude of i want to help other people and i want to add value for other people then the money will just come um hmm. that's that's not really a. a, a pr- it won't be a problem. I, I'm living testament of that. I mean, I hmm. uh, did not come from a. You know, my dad wasn't a software developer. Have anything to do with that? So I'm kind of a. If I went through my all the way back to my little kid days, you'd see that. Yeah, it's a lot different than, you know, how I grew up. Yeah. But um I grew up very well, by the way. My parents were awesome. But I just there was the odds of me getting into software were not good. Let's put it that
0: way. All right. Okay.
1: So I think if you have that attitude of, hey, how can I help others? Um, mm-hmm. And that could be through free videos on YouTube to start, which is what I'd recommend actually, is get okay. some value out there. Doesn't have to be long. In fact, I, I, I need to start them up again. I was doing these things, I call them tech five, kind of like take five. Right, um, right. But they're little short five minute videos that just go over a really quick concept that people want to learn. Yep, and you know, build up maybe a little bit of a following there first, and see how it goes. Because if you can't get people watching that,
0: hmm.
1: probably not worth it to do that. At least that topic for like right. Udemy or some of these others. Yep. Now, getting back to your question, um, assuming you've done that and you've kind of proven out the concept, I think it's totally worthwhile to try it. I have a a friend here in Arizona. His name's Rico, who. Uh, he tried it he didn't make a ton but he mm-hmm. made enough to pay off his car every month it's pretty good you know um which is not bad at all to start and he just wanted to try it out now yep. i don't think he's still doing it because he's kind of moved up in management now in software And mm-hmm. probably makes more just from doing his job but um i think it's a great way to test the waters and kind of get a feel now would i limit myself to that course on udemy no because udemy at least last when i did something for him didn't have a exclusivity um, contract. Mm, Right. And so I don't see any reason why you might either go to like Teachable or one of these that are self-hosted. That'd be Mm. something you could look at, test the waters there, see how it goes, start to market it. Um, You know, with with, uh, products like Gumroad, uh, they're kind of e-commerce type thing that if you want to sell like an electronic book, uh, they make it like dead simple to do that. And I think there's just so many avenues that if you're willing to put in the time, and, and here's the kicker, because Ryan, I suspect you're the same, given that you do podcasts too. Uh, <laughs> you know, my weekends, I'd love to say I'm out playing golf or uh, doing whatever, but like this weekend, I worked, gosh, I don't even know. I, I probably put in at least 20 hours, uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe more. Uh, now, yep. part of that's I have a plural site deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, it's crunch time. Kind of self imposed but that's most of my weekends. I mean, I'll take a mm-hmm. break, don't get me wrong, cuz I have a family and I definitely believe in family time. But I think the kicker to this is if you're not willing to put in the effort and the time, um especially if you have a job today and at night you're not willing to start putting these ideas together and doing the videos, right. You know, yeah, you're probably not going to be successful. Um so there's some there's some work to it, but work smart.
0: Work smart at it, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, and you probably saw some of these tweets going around. I, who was it? DHH maybe on Twitter? The, if he didn't initiate this this uh, thread, he was jumping in on it. It was something It was something around like how we shouldn't be, I mean, this is his mantra anyway. We shouldn't be like working uh, crazy hours beyond eight hours a day, et cetera. And I think there was some discussion recently about how, I think it was a debate really. It was like, can you get to a, decent spot business-wise whatever if you you only put in those eight hours a day uh, you don't put any extra time in evenings and weekends um and there's a a lot of people there's a lot of people i think that almost take a little bit of offense to the the fact that to the the idea that you you need to put in plenty of extra time if you want to improve as a developer uh, if you want to make something happen business-wise Um, it seemed to me anyway, that there's, there's this like whole crowd that denounces that idea. Um, now I'm of the opinion that you kind of need to do that. You kind of need to, to put in the extra effort, the time evenings and weekends to, you know, go beyond just your regular day job to get to a point where you can replace your day job. That's maybe, maybe, maybe that's the best spot you could get to is like put in the extra effort early on so that eventually that could take the place of your day job. Um, Now it sounds like for, for people like you and I, maybe the, that extra effort really never subsides. Like there's extra effort that continually goes on (laughs) year after year. That's, that's at least the the spot that I found myself at, Um, which I mean, you know, which I think like, if you're someone who likes the work and, and if it's, it's, if, if it's what um, gets you going, then, then sure. But, but anyway, this idea that like you can, make something happen without putting in extra time uh, around your, your regular hours. I don't think it works. It sounds like anyways all that to say it sounds like that's that's what you're you're kind of. Well I would too, agree. Like
1: now having said that, um if I could go back in time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think there was plenty of times when if I would just would have focused more and stopped trying to satisfy everyone and say yes to everyone mm-hmm. and especially when I was younger, because you know when you do get like going back to conferences You know, now they start to reach out to you to come speak. You don't even have to apply, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll do that." Yeah, I'll do that. Next thing you know, your your schedule's booked up, and now uh, a really good business opportunity comes through, and you're either a doing that now at night while you're at the conference, right? Or b you just can't do it. You know, it's an opportunity cost. So, having said that, I think there is something to be said about working smart. Um, right. I will say, in my younger years i don 't think I work smart now mm. I think i 'm a lot better at that, where i 'm totally comfortable now <laughs> nicely saying no um, right. in fact, you know when when you and I originally talked uh, on Twitter, I think about doing this, you know i I do get an opportunity to do a lot of these podcasts. a lot of times mm. I have to say no because I just can 't fit everyone in, but this yeah. one because of what we 're talking about, this is kind of near and dear to my heart because yeah. i 'm all about. You know if we can through this and other things we're doing get people to be able to improve their lives and be more knowledgeable and all that i'm all for that because that's i mean if you have knowledge and don't share it then what's the point
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. That's, that's very much. appreciated. Uh, appreciate it. it. feels like a very special, very special well, podcast. It's because it's, it's you, man. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I'm curious then. So you, you said how you previously maybe weren't working smart when you were uh, in your yeah. earlier years. What does that look like then to work smart? Like, what are some indications that you're working smart? How do you know if like mm-hmm. something you're about to do isn't such a smart idea?
1: Well, so the number one thing I wish I would have done, and I won't say I'm perfect at this, but I, I wrote a blog post quite a while ago called, I think it was The Art of Productivity. Okay. And if either the night before or right when you wake up in the morning, if you can't name and in a perfect world list actually, the top three things, and I wouldn't go more than three to be honest because it gets frustrating if you can't meet your three things or two things mm-hmm. or whatever you say, if you don't know what that is and it, it can't be generic by the way it can't be work on project right you know it has to be very specific uh three things or two things or whatever you decide then working smarter to me is staying focused and mm-hmm. for me it would have been a matter of like for instance let's say i'm writing a new uh ilt course that's an instructor-led course for a company so we do a lot of custom courseware. And let's say I'm putting in the time to research uh, the technology they want. I'm doing the stuff I hate to do, which is like slides. Uh, I hate doing slides, but, um, you know, code sample, stuff like that. Well, working dumb would be not having a plan for that day. And then I'm jumping, oh, let's do the Mm -hmm. demo. Oh, no, let's go. I need to do the slide. Oh, well, what about the lab? And and before you know it, you get to the end of the day, and we've all done this. We're just Mm -hmm. like, jeez, I got nothing done today. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. I, my mind was just, I was multitasking. And yeah. uh, everybody thinks they can multitask. I don't think we're actually as good at that as we think we are.
0: Yeah. I've heard that we're not even capable of it really, right? That's not...
1: what I've heard too. I don't know. Yeah. I think you do it probably. and <laughs> But everybody does it. But I don't think it's working smart. Right. So one of the things that I'm very kind of more mindful of, if you will, is what are my top work items for the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just to give you an example, so for today, I have finished recording this new course for Pluralsight. Uh, I just finished it yesterday, actually. That's why the weekend was super busy. It's uh, gonna be on Kubernetes. uh, It's Kubernetes for developers deploying your code. So it's a Docker Mm -hmm. Kubernetes course. And so today, now, in fact, as soon as we get done, I'll probably go eat lunch and then come back and I need to review now some very specific sections, because I want to make sure that, you know how it is when you record something and then maybe you listen to it a week or two later? Yeah. Sometimes you're like, what the heck was I thinking? Like, this is horrible, (laughs) you know? And then I guarantee today and tomorrow I'll probably re-record some sections because I'm really picky. Yep. Um, And so my goal today though is to get through the entire content, make notes about what I need to redo, and then tomorrow I promise them I'd have everything ready. So Mm -hmm. tomorrow I'll then have everything re-recorded and uh, hopefully there won't be much I have to re-record. Right. But circling back to your question, how do you work smarter? Well, working smarter is it's kind of like going on a a drive and like, all right, Ryan, let's let's get in the car and all right, where are we going? Oh, I don't know. Just drive. I think that's how most of us work. Whereas if you're like, hey, Dan, I've already pulled this up on Google Maps and then along the way, let's eat lunch here oh, and there's a really cool thing here. Let's visit that. And you have like this whole plan. Now, you know, it doesn't mean obviously we have to stick to the plan, but at least we have a plan. Hmm. And to me, that's the number one thing for working smarter is what are we doing? Now, the next step up from that is what are your overall uh, like weekly or monthly goals? Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if I'm building a product like we're doing right now, well, obviously my three things for the day need to tie to that now today they're not going to tie to that because i have this other deadline so i have no choice mm-hmm. but starting thursday i'll be back on that and i'll mm-hmm. have some very i have some very specific things i need to fix and uh we'll go from there so anyway i, I think it's more of just instead of i'm all for allowing life to be fun and and we mm-hmm. do things on the fly like yep. i mean that's makes life more fun right but at the same time I think if you don't plan your life, things are not gonna work out like you want. Mm. I mean, that's kind of goes without saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like there's a need to put some structure around what you're going to do yeah. if you want to yeah. have any kind of roadmap that you can follow to, you know, get where where you wanna go. Now, the exact route that you take to get there, maybe that differs from what you initially set out to do, but but knowing your milestones anyway or, or the things that you've got to do i think that's that's crucial right i i mean I, i've certainly found that to be true in my own work the, i i have not been the best at at setting those setting setting that that kind of daily agenda doing the things uh getting the things done that i know need to be done uh, in, in many in many instances i've been on sort of reaction mode where i'll let my clients kind of come at me in my inbox and say, Hey, we've got this problem we need to fix now and let that derail my day in some cases, which I've got, I've got to find some way to, (laughs) to try to mitigate. But, uh, (laughs) that's a hard
1: one though when they need your time. So, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. But, but I hear you, man. Like the, the feeling at the end of the day that you've got when you've you've had no true direction and you've kind of just been waffling on, a couple different tasks, not the best feeling. But when you do have a list of things to get done and you you do knock all of those out, I think that's that's smart work and that's a good feeling at the end of the day. Um, so I'm there with you. Um, I wonder about so back on the topic of uh, uh, publishing in different different spots. Uh, Plural Site as a um, as a publisher. Is it, is it one that you would recommend trying to get in with uh, as opposed to some, some of these other publishing houses? Uh, is there anything about Pluralsight that is kind of special in the industry that you like? Um, and I guess maybe what's your, what's your just general review of them?
1: Well, I love Pluralsight. Um Aaron Godard, okay. who's CEO, um, Fritz Onion, who's one of the partners with Aaron, they started it. Um, those guys are just super cool stand-up guys and you know I knew them back when, They were literally, I think, taking out loans just to get this Hmm. off the ground, you know. Um, So what they've done has been amazing. So I I like that because they have a story of they weren't given money. I mean, yeah, they did get seed money later or funding Hmm. later, but they took it off the ground all by themselves with their group. Um, And I like that a lot because when you've been at the very start of it and you weren't (laughs) spoon-fed, <laughs> you yeah. know, like some people are, like some startups that get funding, and then they just kind of go away because they don't really right. have the, I don't know if the fortitude's the right word, but they don't have the, the work ethic or whatever to push it, see it through. You know, yeah. they did. So anyway, that's, uh, they've been doing this for a long time now. Uh, they have what they call author managers um, or author success managers, I think. So okay. like mine, his name's Jason. He's phenomenal. one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet on the planet and even through some times that i wasn't super happy about stuff he's always there kind of being the voice of reason like it's gonna be all right dan right right you know (laughs) stop crying no (laughs) (laughs) i would say it's totally worth it they're uh very very broad reach right now Hmm. and their focus is definitely on uh, uh enterprises and things like that so I would recommend to people, now there is a process you have to go through and there's a lot of people that don't make it through the process uh, just mm-hmm. to be full transparency. But there's a lot of people that do obviously. Right. And so I think the best way to do it though first is do something on your own. Mm-hmm. Kind of get good at the process. You know, recording um, when you're by yourself because these aren't, you don't go into a studio like Linda or, linda.com uh, Lynda.com, uh, LinkedIn now. LinkedIn, um, yeah. You know, with that, you go into a studio for a lot of their courses and you have mm. a producer and, and I've done that with several companies. Um, it's kind of cool because you're focused. <laughs> mm. You know, you're like in the studio, so you can't just be, hey, I need to check Twitter, you know. Right or something. Right. So I would I would kind of cut your teeth, if you will, first for the people want to do this on kind of prove prove out that first off you like doing it and and mm. that type of thing. And then yeah, absolutely reach out to PluralSight. Um, I think right at the bottom of the page, you can actually, if I remember right, I think there's some links for like become an author. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll have to go through a process. You have to submit uh, videos, not face videos, but, uh, you know, just screencasts. Screencasts, yeah. And then somebody there evaluates it. Then they don't just like cut you off, though. They'll give you feedback and then you can mm-hmm. resubmit if you want. Cool. And. You know, getting through that process, even if your course didn't do well the first time, to be able to say that you made it on Pluralsight is these days kind of a big deal. Just Mm -hmm. because with Udemy, almost, I think pretty much anybody can get courses. And that's not to speak poorly of Udemy because I've done two courses on Udemy, but it's just a different model. Mm -hmm. Pluralsight's all about like quality, quality, quality. You know, they really want quality. So yeah, I I would say it's totally worthwhile doing. Um, LinkedIn would be another one. Now I haven't done anything, I've talked with them several times, but since I'm super happy and really, really like Pluralsight, um, I just haven't done it. But they are another one you could check out. But I would highly recommend Pluralsight. Yeah, they're great.
0: That's really good to hear, that's cool. Yeah, and I'll link up uh, Plural Sight's process, I guess the whatever page they've got uh, that, that spells that out, as well as your stuff on Plural Sight. I'm assuming I can get a link to your your catalog. At least I hope you I can. Can
1: you can? Yep.
0: Excellent. Cool. Um, and you know that's probably that's probably a good spot to start wrapping up. I, I definitely want to be respectful of your time. Um, but before we do go uh, anywhere else, you'd point people towards. Uh, like I said, I'll link stuff up about Plural Sight. Um, where can we find you online on on Twitter, for example?
1: Yeah, um, nobody can spell my last name. So the company <laughs> website's actually wallingconsulting.com, but that redirects you to codewithdan.com. Right. Uh, my wife actually came up with that because I was complaining one night that nobody can spell my last name too well. There you go. But uh, yeah, codewithdan.com or my blog, I'll tend to blog about some of these di- some of the different things we've talked about. Um, I haven't really, I don't think I've really blogged much about the business side, but I've been thinking okay. about that more. Awesome. Yeah, and then uh, on there, on the blog, you'll, there'll be links to Pluralside and Sweet. all the other stuff we do.
0: Excellent. We'll link that, uh, that up in the show notes. Well, um, Dan, it's been awesome chatting with you today. I really appreciate uh, you taking us through your, your experience, and uh, you know, it's super valuable to hear about uh, where you've come from and where you're at now, and uh, it's encouraging for, for folks that are on this journey. So thank you so much for sharing your experience with us.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it and definitely encourage folks out there, give whatever idea you have,
0: give it a shot. Thank you once again so much for tuning in to the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 27 with Dan Waline. You can find show notes with links to all the resources that Dan mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you would like to follow along on Twitter, it's twitter.com/coderpodcast, and if you would like to subscribe, you can go to ecpodcast.io/subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you could leave a rating and review. Until next time, happy hacking.